0: Please join with me in the Lenten prayer for illumination. Holy God, as we turn to the scriptures, open our hearts and minds that we might encounter you in the person of Jesus Christ. Be with us as the word is read and proclaimed, that we might know you more fully and follow you more faithfully. Amen. A lesson from the Gospel of John. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 17, and verses 35 through 38. As he walked along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man but they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this is not a man from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I'd like to invite all the children who are in the sanctuary to come up and join me here for just a moment, if you'd like to. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens, and we'll have a moment just for us. Good morning, good morning. Glad to see all of you. Welcome, welcome. Come on up. Aren't these flowers pretty today? I told someone they look like spring is emerging. Doesn't feel like it today, though, does it? It's pretty cold out there, but it's going to get warmer. We just heard a story that Mr. Grant read for us about Jesus and a man who was blind. Now Jesus was walking along a road with all of his disciples, and he was walking through a town, so there were lots of people around. But Jesus noticed way over there was a man, and they say he was a beggar. That means that he was probably poor. And he had to ask people for help. Because he couldn't see, he probably couldn't work. So he was way over there. And most of the people walking by didn't notice the man. They just kept going by. Even the disciples, you know, they talked about the man, but they didn't really notice him or reach out to him. But Jesus stopped and talked to the man And then he healed him. Did you hear the story? He took mud and he put it on the man's eyes. Isn't that cool? And then when the man washed the mud off, he could see. It was amazing for the first time in his life. There's something about that story that reminds me about what Jesus is like. Jesus notices everybody. Every person matters to Jesus. And Jesus is especially good at noticing people who other people don't notice. Noticing people who kind of are on the edges, maybe people who are hurting, or people who need help. And so that reminds me that as a follower of Jesus, I wanna be paying attention to everybody, especially people who might be kind of on the edges and feeling lonely and sad. So next time you're out on the playground, maybe playing with friends or playing at school, If you see someone who's by themselves, they may feel kind of lonely. And I think Jesus would want you to go over and say hi and tell them your name and maybe say, do you want to play with me? I think that's what Jesus would do. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we know that you don't want anyone to be alone or forgotten. That you had ways of seeing everybody most especially people who are hurting and lonely or sick or in need. And we want to be more like you, so help us to notice and to reach out in friendship and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for listening. Three-, four-, and five-year-olds can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Church. And if you're younger than that or older than that, you can return to your seats with parents. Many of you know that we have a Tuesday morning Bible study. It's a hybrid Bible study. We have a good number of people who come and sit in room 310 and other people about the same number who join us over Zoom. And in that Zoom group, this week, we had someone who was Zooming in from South Carolina, someone Zooming in from Florida, and someone Zooming in from Virginia. Sometimes we have two people Zooming in from Virginia but one of our faithful Virginians is Reverend David St. Clair. His father was Reverend Doctor, I believe, Ben St. Clair, who was the pastor of this church from 1967 to 1980. David always has the most beautiful wisdom to share when we're talking about scriptures. And this week he shared a story from his childhood. Before his father became the pastor at West End, he was a district superintendent in our conference. And back in those days, churches didn't just have one annual charge conference like we have today, to which the district superintendent must come. They had quarterly conferences. And so his dad would go four times a year to all of his churches. And apparently, a lot of times, he brought his kids with them. I had the impulse to call my children and say, I know it's hard to be a preacher's kid, but you don't know how good you had it. <laughs> but David, being David, absorbed a lot of this experience and he became a preacher himself. So it didn't, didn't change, you know, his trajectory as a preacher's kid, shaped it. But at one of these quarterly charge conferences, the church took the ninth chapter of John and did a dramatization of it. And the chapter is long, and it's made up of several scenes, about six scenes. And David noticed that for most of the story, Jesus is offstage. He's there at the beginning, he heals the man, and he doesn't come back till the very end. And it, he said it made him realize that all the stuff that happens in the middle happens when Jesus is not in the room. And that's important. That's a deep insight into this story. Now, this morning, of course, we've really just heard the first part and the last part that feature Jesus. Because of the length of the chapter, we had to cut it down. But I'd like to do a quick run-through of the six scenes so you get a sense of what happens. And as we do that, I would invite you to put yourself in the place of the man who was born blind, and experience these events through his perspective. So, scene one. Jesus and his disciples are walking along a road, and they see this man. Somehow they know he was born blind. We find out later he's known as a beggar, probably on the side of the road, asking people for help and for money all day long. Jesus sees him and sees A child of God, sees a human being made in the image of God. He has compassion for him. The disciples, on the other hand, see a theological conundrum. They see an object of discussion. So they turn to Jesus and they say, so tell us who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They give him two choices, A or B. And of course, Jesus being Jesus says, See, none of the above. He's not blind because somebody sinned. He's not blind as a punishment for someone's sins. And here's where the English translation is less than helpful, I think. It says in the English, He was born blind so that God's works could be revealed. But that's not even in the Greek. It basically says, He was born blind. God's works can be revealed nonetheless. I hear Jesus saying he was born blind. It just happened. These things happened. But God can still work. Just watch. And so Jesus kneels down, I imagine, in front of the man, gets a little bit of dirt and adds his own saliva to it and makes some mud and rubs it across the man's eyes and gently says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man goes, he finds his way to the pool of Siloam and he takes that cool fresh water and he rinses the mud off and he opens his eyes and for the very first time in his life he sees the color blue, the sky, the clouds drifting overhead and the sun sparkling on the surface of the pool and the people walking by, the faces that he's never known what they look like. Can you imagine the joy, the gratitude, the elation he must feel, the wonder he must be experiencing that someone was able to heal him for the first time in his life? End of scene one. Scene two. I don't know how he gets there, but I think he runs. He runs back to his neighborhood To the people he's known who have surrounded him his whole life. And now he can see. And he wants to tell them and show them what has happened. And nobody rejoices with him. They're confused. They're like, wait a minute. They talk about him rather than to him. And they say, isn't this the man who was born blind? Used to beg by the side of the road? They look at him and see the person he used to be. And they can't understand how he could have broken out of that. So finally they do ask him what happened, and he tells them a man named Jesus took mud, and he washed, and I could see. And they ask, where is he? Maybe they want some of this Jesus for themselves, but he says, I don't know. He's left the room. End of scene two. Scene three. The neighbors bring the healed man to the Pharisees, to their religious leaders, to these people they look up to as authorities, to help them understand what has happened and how to categorize it and how to make sense of it, to make sure it's really true somehow, maybe. And the Pharisees don't rejoice with him. They aren't amazed that this miracle has happened. They are skeptical. And when they find out that the healing happened that day, on the Sabbath day, well, some of them say, well, that checks that box. There's no way this healer is someone who comes from God because he performed this miracle on the Sabbath day. Others said, well, wait a minute. Nobody could perform a miracle like this unless he came from God. And they were divided. The man is not A human being made in the image of God who has just experienced this life transformation, to them, he is an issue to be argued over and divided over. Again, they're more interested in talking about him than talking to him and rejoicing with him. The next scene the Pharisees bring the man's parents to be questioned. They're still not sure this miracle has actually happened, so they want the parents to verify that this man was indeed born blind, that he's their son, and that now he can see. And the parents are scared half to death because they know that it's being talked about now that anyone who follows Jesus might be expelled from the synagogue. And so they say, yes, he is our son, and he was born blind, but how he gained his sight... We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. They distance themselves from their child. Even his parents don't rejoice with him. They're so afraid of being kicked out or rejected by their faith community that they will not stand by their child. End of scene. In the next scene, the Pharisees summon the healed man once again. And they, they're not interested in him. They're interested in Jesus. They want to know more. Tell us about this healer. Tell us what he did. How did he do it? And at this point, the, the healed man is starting to get frustrated and a little cheeky. Because he says to them, I told you already. Put mud on my eyes. I washed. I was healed. Why are you so interested? Do you want to become his disciples too? They don't like that. And they start to get angry. And so they push and they say, look, this man is a sinner. And the healed man says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I do know this. Never before in the whole history of the world has anyone ever healed someone who was born blind. And they kick him out. He is excommunicated, removed from the community of faith. It just breaks my heart that all along the way, while Jesus is not in the room, there is no one who celebrates this man's healing. There is no one who sees him as a human being made in the image of God. There is no one who celebrates this transformation There is no one who accepts his story and receives him as he is. And even more, there is no one who hears his story and wants to follow Jesus too. And so as the story comes to an end in the next to the last scene, we see a man standing alone. Who has experienced this amazing thing in Jesus and he is alone. But that, my friends is when Jesus comes back on the scene. The story says, when Jesus heard that the man had been kicked out, he went and found him. And in his conversation with this man who's been healed, he offers himself in relationship. He gives him a new way to be He helps him see that his identity does not come from his neighbors or his religious leaders or even his parents. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus invites him to become part of the entourage, part of the community that is building itself around Christ where all people are seen as created in the image of God, where everyone has had an experience of grace with Jesus, and the doors are wide open to welcome more. An invitation in this story is to to find ourselves in it. And I know that many of you find yourself in the place of that blind man, knowing what it is to be rejected, or marginalized, or invisible. I think the invitation for us as a church is to be wherever Jesus is. To make sure that Jesus hasn't left the room. That like Jesus, we have our eyes wide open to see those on the margins who might be invisible or rejected or alone. To offer relationship of love and grace with joy to continue following this healer, our Savior, who surprises us every day and who is willing to welcome whosoever will join in. My friends, I want to be where Jesus is. May this story remind us and invite us as we go back out into the world to go with our hearts and our eyes wide open. Thanks be to God.